This episode of the Beyond Your Best Plan podcast contains content intended for mature audiences. Have you ever had a moment that shattered your best laid plans? Yep, shit happens. You're lost and not sure how to pick up the pieces. Discover a higher level of results when you join the Fab Five as we take you on a weekly adventure shifting you beyond your best plan. We reveal how to elevate your mind, body, and spirit and create a harmonious life. The Fab Five is passionate about making the world a better place. Through sharing our gifts, talents, and stories, you'll obtain the resources, strategies, and tools you need on your journey of healing and growth. Step into your authentic self, moving beyond your best plan. Welcome back to Beyond Your Best Plan. This is Kathleen L. and I'm here with my soul sisters, Sarah, Claudette, Catherine, and Whitney. Today's topic is a deep conscious topic that we chose to step into because of the experiences that some of us have recently had. And we felt that it was really important as we were discussing this before we got recording that we share this with our listeners and the view that we all have is really our personal views, our spiritual views, our, our own experiences, and that this may expand your ability to create new stories, to see beyond what your teachings are, and it might bump up against your comfort zone. And so as you listen through this podcast, Know that if you're uncomfortable, allow yourself to just listen through and step back and journal and reflect on what you heard and see where you can open up and view new possibilities and where you are really very clear in your own core values Honor yourself is really what um, this podcast is about, is really honoring who you are and honoring the fact that you have an essence, a soul that is much bigger than the stories that we've been taught. And so today's topic is about death, about crossing over, about crossing on, about transitioning, whatever we choose to call leaving our body, our body dying, and our souls uh, being set free. And whether, you know, death is suicide as from all of us, or if it's a planned thing before we even get here, it's really expanding upon what our beliefs are. And, you know, we have a soul sister here that's in the middle of recently, like within the last hours, found out about a loved one um, and how sudden unexpected loss can affect each of us. And that's how we got on the topic. So I really wanted to just open that up for all of us to really think about what are our views on, on our loved ones transitioning or dying. My point of view is that we transition, that our body dies, but our soul is set free. And I'm just going to open that up to um, Sarah looks like she's ready to speak. And I'm just going to open that up to all of the, 
and my soul sisters to add their thoughts on that. Thank you, Kathleen. Such a deep and thought-provoking topic and one that really stirs the deepest, most vulnerable emotions inside of us. Um, And a topic that's been discussed for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It's something that eludes us. And I think part of the experience of not understanding it is we're left here without that individual. And there's this sense of loss and the sense of sorrow and the sense of not understanding the why or the how. And so I think today's conversation is just beautifully open for the opportunity to reflect and think about it in a different way. Or, you know, we're feeling the loss. And so there's this internal pain um, and, and it cuts deep. And it's, it, I was describing it with my cousin who just lost his father recently of a delayed response in mourning. And I just remember telling him in, in my conversation with him last week, which was when I did allow the experience to flow through me, it was so deep and so rich with sorrow, just intense sorrow. And I think that is adding to the complexity of what we define as passing on, passing over, crossing over, or however we're going to put it, but it complicates it, doesn't it? It's not as simple as the logical understanding of what this could be or what it meant or what it is or why. You know, we try to add logic to it, but then it gets really complicated with the feelings that go along with it. And I know that you've talked about that, Kathleen, in I remember you talking about mourning at your son's gravesite and the pain that would, you know, flow out so richly. And but then when we want to, you know, think about it in a different sense, is it really, I think the question today is, is it a choice? Is it a knowing? Is it a we came here with the intent? Or, you know, or, or why? I think that's what we're, we're bringing to light. And the interesting part is we can add all the logic in the world to it. But at the end of the day, what complicates it is our feelings and our, our human ability to miss and be defined by something. It's a great point, Sarah, that uh, death is complicated. And what makes it complicated often from my experience with the people that I work with, that's what I do. I'm a loss expert, a grief expert. You know, I help people move through their intense emotions of of the loss of their loved ones. And what makes it so complicated is the experiences that we have with them here on earth and the regret the guilt, the blame, and it's really wrapped around the limiting beliefs that we had any ability to change their experiences because it's ultimately each of us have our own soul's purpose, our own soul's journey, our own soul's path, and each of us touch that soul 
in different ways. And that's what makes it complicated because we are human. The fact is, I mean, we are a soul in a human's body and we're on this earth in this moment as humans and humans interaction and relationships create some of the complications that are left behind. Um, so it's a great point in saying that, you know, when someone, I'm going to just use dies because that's what's com- most commonly used. But when someone leaves their body, <laughs> what's left behind is us here on earth wondering if we could have made a difference, if we hadn't made a particular choice. And it's really left in the um, the what ifs, if onlys. And we'll never know that. So that's why it's so important for us to live our life with love, with compassion. And if we make choices, because we will, that we feel are not in alignment with our highest good or someone else's highest good, then forgiveness, forgiveness of ourselves and forgiveness of others, because that's what makes it a little easier in moving through your emotions. So what I heard you say, Sarah, is really death is complicated. We get to have a choice. It's our journey. And how do we want to live that journey? Really beautiful. It's very complicated. And when you were speaking, Sarah, and you you said, and sorry, I got caught up in the moment. I can't remember your exact wording, but it was to the effect of like, People may know that it's their time. And Kathleen caught up in our beautiful conversation before we started recording. Some of the thoughts out there are we even know and we choose when it's our time. And it's it's so interesting because my friend who just passed away, a childhood friend, I was looking at his Facebook, which also brings up it just like intensifies the emotion because you now get to read all the things from the family members and the feelings and especially me having a childhood relationship with this person and all the memories coming back and all the things you know it's just like anyway I was looking at his his Facebook and it was just like yesterday he made a post and it was like he knew it, it it was like he knew and this was just yesterday uh it said one day and it was a total just like he knew he was going so that just really i just wanted to share that it just really uh spoke to what you're speaking to sarah and it is so multi-layered and it's so complex and i grew up with a Catholic upbringing and I love religion. I think it's beautiful. I would, I would not put my label myself as Catholic or really any affiliation with any religion. I would label myself if I got a label just as spiritual and, but growing up Catholic and I know, and I've checked out a lot of different churches, you know, even just Christian community, you know, there's a lot of views and rules around what happens at death And then one day, and it never really like resonated, like I never really thought. And then one day I started listening to uh, the teachings of Wayne Dyer um, and Abraham Hicks. And 
Also, even going to Tony Robbins events, he starts talking about our souls are forever and Wayne Dyer and Abraham Hicks and Gary Zukoff. I think I'm saying that right. He's another has written some really beautiful books on this, like Seed of the Soul. And they're all talking about our souls are forever. And it just hit me. I'll never forget it. And it's just like, that's what happens. This is just, and this is my personal opinion, because it resonated with me more than anything else I've studied about the afterlife, that this little point in time that we're on this human experience, it's just a little blip in our entire soul's journey. And that is beautiful. That is what my true belief is. That brings me peace in death. Also, I believe because there's been so many human stories and experiences that when we, uh, it is our time to pass on, that we get so full of just greatness, feelings, abundance, warmth, like all the things, like all the pain and all the challenges and all the things throughout a lifetime of you know, that we feel that doesn't feel good in our souls, like all that becomes just good and pure. And again, and I, I do truly believe that in my heart, in my soul, and it's still painful when someone passes on. I know for sure he is at peace and I know he spent a lot of his life in pain and I know he is at peace and he is in just warmth and soul and reunited with loved ones. And he could even be on to his next life at this point. Um, and I do believe that. And I still feel pain for his family. I feel pain for his journey. I feel pain thinking about the memories of how it all got started. And I feel joy because he is such a beautiful soul the life of the party, always fun, as wild and crazy as the wildest and crazy get. And, you know, really impacted people's lives in a really beautiful way as well. And so with all that, there is a, such a mixed bag of emotion. <laughs> and um, it's a beautiful pain, I guess, is just the words that come to mind right now. And I do feel comfort in what I believe happens when we do leave our human life. So just my heart goes out to you, Catherine, and I just hold you with so much love and his family with that love as well. And you mentioned a couple of things that I just would love to just bring to the listener's attention is that social media makes moving on a public platform. And so there's a lot of pain that's being shared with many people. And what I find to be helpful for those of my clients that I help, that I assist through their, their grief is that taking on their pain of, of the family only expands the pain. And that you get to feel through your pain. Sarah mentioned this earlier, you know, flowing through the pain of the loss is real and holding on to it only creates more um, and prevents you from 
really connecting deeply with their soul, their energy around you. It prevents you from living a full life. It prevents you from experiencing the love that's there for you. Um, And taking on the pain of others expands the pain. So what I encourage people to do when they have experienced the loss of, of loved ones is to hold the family in that love to hold the family in the light and knowing that that the divine whatever you choose to call the great creator the creator the all that is god um universe whatever you choose to call your higher power or what we all are um it's that you are shining the light and you're seeing them in the light that they're being held um, in that moment. That, I'm is not received, the- that is received, Kathleen. Yeah. And I thank you for uh, sharing that because it is is received and 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 I I I could feel their pain, you know, like reading through, and it does expand it and and. Um, I want to be light. I don't want to, I want to expand light and love, not pain. So I appreciate that distinction because it is a very, uh, uh, like sort of subconscious or unconscious, whatever the right word is sort of autopilot place to go, you know, especially if you've, uh, experienced things in the past, right. Around death or, um, uh, addiction, overdose, you know, things like that, like, you know, or even just sudden death, unexpected. I mean, there's a lot there to unpack and especially if there's a past of that as well. And it's like, so autopilot to just go into that pain and thank you for that distinction. Yeah, and it's it's also important, and I really would love for Claudette to chime in soon because she's also works in this arena as well. But it's also important to remind people that this is not about saying you're grieving in a wrong way. That uh, like everyone grieves differently, everyone has a different timeline, and nothing is wrong. The only and that you get to move through your own pain. And sometimes we get caught up in other people's pain because it's easier to see their pain than to work through our own pain. And so these are just different suggestions and offerings. um, And the pain is real. You know, the the loss is real. So, yeah, I... Everything that has been said, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. It takes as long to heal as it takes. And our ego will judge us. You healed too fast. You didn't heal fast enough. What's wrong with you? Why can't you get over this? Why do you still cry? Whatever. All these questions, I'm just going to say they're all bullshit from the ego. I'm just going to say it. It's just bullshit. Our lower mind and consciousness will tend to judge us and and we're on the wrong path. So in healing, I've lost several people in my life and I have dealt with trafficking and I've seen death in front of me. And what I discovered about this, because some of it has been tragic, I came away from one event because we use truth method with uh, victims of trafficking. And I came away from one event where a six-year-old did not survive. 
This is a very hard subject. And I've been connecting to truth and, and I was connecting to truth as this was happening. And, you know, I felt like I was fine. I understood her soul immediately went back to creation. I do believe that we get a lot of chances to grow. I do not believe that we are eternally barred. Okay. That's just, sorry. I don't. Someone may. And if you choose to believe that, that's fine. But that literally goes against the life principle that operates the whole universe. The life principle does not destroy itself. It actually course corrects and grows and evolves everything, always expanding in unconditional love. But then I was walking down my hallway and and just had a moment of PTSD. Had a moment of PTSD, collapsed on the floor, crying just, just incredible tears. And in that moment, what I will say to someone who has lost someone is fall into the arms of truth fall into the arms of creation. Let creation begin to show you, give you wisdom, heal your heart, you know, take you from the state of mourning to rejoicing that their soul is evolving in whatever way it chose to. But at the same time, mourn as long as you need to, but fall into the arms of creation, fall into the divine. And when I did that and knowing began to rise in me, and this caused me to research this for years, like my research, this was 2000 and, oh God, I can't even remember, 2003 or four. And I began to research death. I did near-death experiences. I did, I read the Egyptian book of the dead. I, you know, I'm like, what are all the writings on this? And what I began to understand are some key things. We are not our body. We are a soul. Our, Our soul is a part of our spirit that has come into the earth realm to experience, grow, and evolve. Our soul is what needs healing. Our spirit is one. Our soul individualizes. And our soul is eternal. And our spirit is such that nothing can damage our spirit. Our soul may get wounded, but it can be healed. And there's a a spiritual principle that changed my whole outlook on this. And it's a universal truth that says no one can take my life. I lay it down when I choose and I pick it back up when I choose. No one can take my life. This is a principle that has been taught in almost every religion. And what does it mean? We are the creators of this experience. And whatever we believe actually mimics and and goes out into the world. And then we experience things. And sometimes we have beliefs that suck and we experience things that cause us to suffer. Okay. And then sometimes we have beliefs that are really good and we have a lot of fun. I personally like the fun side of it more than the sucky side, okay? But why do we have this? Well, for our soul to grow, we have an opponent. We always have to have that dichotomy of this is good, that's bad, this is good, or or this is desirable or undesirable. You know, a lot of people will say, don't judge good or bad. Well, is it expanding my growth or is it contracting it? And every soul here on earth is at a different stage of that evolution. And some souls choose to leave by their hand, by conscious choice of I'm I'm checking out. They do. Some souls have a, a heart attack. 
Some souls have an aneurysm. Like we know all the causes of someone exiting this earth. But ultimately, all of the ancient teachings tell us we create everything, even the day and time that we leave. And what's left behind are all the people that loved those people, right? And we have to, you know, pick those pieces up and clean that up. And that's why I said, fall into the arms of truth in all you're getting, get understanding. And instead of going, why, why, why? Just go, I seek understanding and it shall come to me. I seek to know more about this as a whole. I seek to understand. I seek to honor their spirit and honor every single moment they were with me. And if if you want to bless them, send love to them. They are not dead. Their body, which is like a car, they just turned it back in and probably traded it for a newer one. This is how this works, right? So it's the vehicle. This is why the body is called the temple of the living God. So if you want to help them, send them unconditional love and ask for the truth they need for their soul's evolution to rise within them. And then to help yourself, be honest with where you are. When I was lying on the floor and just crying and literally shaking, I understood I was in PTSD. I understood that in that moment. And for the next whole week, I just sought truth until I received the knowing and I have a deep peace now when it comes to death. But I had to seek the truth and I had to be 100% honest with where I was to allow the divinity within me to heal my soul from the tragedy, from the shock, from all of it. And it can happen for you. It might take longer than a week. Keep in mind, I'd been practicing truth at that point for like four years three years, four years. So it takes as long as it takes. And there's nothing wrong with as long as it takes. But our only job is to turn within and seek understanding and ask for the healing. Ask and you shall receive and start to trust that infinite power and love resides in you and can help you handle anything you will experience in this world. One of my favorite things that's been said is that it takes as long as it takes, mm-hmm. right? It, it just does. And until we give ourselves permission with that, I think we continue to struggle because not only are we dealing with the loss, the pain, but we are resisting it, which creates its own separate suffering on top of that one, because we're not just going with what is, right? And everything that you guys have said about what it means in the soul, spirit, separation of body, I I get all that. I want to, I, I, I had two points that have come up and then I want to share something. Sarah started out with the talking about the knowing, right? And we sort of had this conversation ahead of time and, and you've tapped into that a little bit more, Claudette, that we come here knowing. And my experience with this, the three people who have, transition in my life who have meant the most to me in my life, my grandmother, my father, 
and my son all knew. And my grandmother and my father, I think more consciously knew. My son was more of a subtle, maybe unconscious knowing that went along with that. But my grandmother chose, she'd had a stroke and and then a series of smaller strokes. And at some point I was visiting with her a couple of weeks, she was still in the hospital and she just said, I'm tired, I'm ready to go, right? And then she made a decision, she wasn't gonna eat anymore, she wasn't gonna drink anymore. And of course, the body does what it does um, when deprived of nutrition and the will. And then my father had been ill for a long time and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. And at the point at which they finally diagnosed him, he'd had cancer, he had lung cancer. And the lump in his, the mass in his lung was like the size of a grapefruit. And initially, he was all about, he was like in his power and he was going to fight it. And we were going to juice. And I brought all this stuff for juicing when he came home. And he passed six weeks later. They'd given him like six to nine months a little longer if he'd go through chemo he's and, and radiation. He said he wasn't going to do that. He was going to fight it holistically. And then somewhere he made a decision, and maybe not wholly consciously, but some part of him was like, you know, I lived a good life and I'm, I'm moving on. My son, who was 17, died on the day of his high school graduation. And he was in a program that was given what we've been through the last 23 months or so um, is very much like where kids find themselves now. He was in a virtual uh, a remote learning environment. Uh, won't go into why that was, but he was. And the graduating class was about 30. None of these kids knew each other. And but the school brought them all together for a graduation ceremony, a prom and a ceremony for this rite of passage. So we all go on this trip to celebrate him and for the graduation ceremony. And on Sunday uh, before the ceremony, um, he encountered the parent of a couple of uh, boys that also attended the school. They weren't graduating, but they were, uh, they attended the school and she was on staff at the school. And she had an encounter with my son early in the morning and she had some observations. And then during the graduation ceremony, she had some other observations. And then I guess later that day or a couple of days later, the news was announced to the school community that my son had passed in a car accident. She sent me a letter and I wanted to just share a piece of the letter that I think goes to this whole point about knowing. And so she just starts out that she encountered him, that she he was in baggy pants at the time as kids are want to wear. And she's like, she recognized this kid uh, in the sagging pants and kind of, you know, the, the statement that the clothes make 
that he was expressing himself. And she just had that thought. And then she said, later that afternoon, I watched him walk down the aisle in his fine green commencement gown. It had a new sense of pride in his attire. The students were now dressed all the same, but this time it was okay because his clothes, because this set of clothes said something too. It said, I did it. I'm one of the accomplished. It was quite apparent from his teacher, his teacher's speech, and she mentions a teacher, but I won't do that. Teacher's speech that Theron, that's my son's name, himself chose to do the work and push through the challenges. Theron stood up very tall at the podium when his turn came to receive his diploma. He paused a moment as he looked out at the audience and he had such clear presence. He purposefully removed his sunglasses, previously another statement of his individuality, yet one symbolizing a bit of chosen separation. He let down the barriers in that gesture. He fully joined his fellow graduates and every person in the room. I am Theron and I am fully present here and now. Join me. She says, I felt there was a palpable shift. He said, I want to thank God for being the core presence in my life. My parents for all their support. Hot sauce for being so good on everything. And my teachers at the school, uh, she said, right then he revealed his breadth and depth, letting us know he was not afraid anymore to be powerful. I saw a young man of great potential. I heard the words of a man who now saw a glimpse of himself succeeding in the future. What I didn't know at the time was that Theron and his soul saw a path of even greater potential. It seemed to me that in that very moment up there at the podium, his soul clearly locked in, looked straight out into the audience and let itself be known. I felt that together they had decided his powerful presence could make more of an impact on this world from the other side of the veil. There's more, but I'll stop there. And as you guys were talking about that knowing, he knew. And in some respect, I think all of us in that room knew, not knowing the details of how that would manifest itself, but that the person that had walked into that room, one was not the person who walked out of that room and out of that ceremony. And that is the person that physically left this earth and the soul his spirit that he was converted to or more closely aligned with is the one that continues to live on. And then my other point that came to me is that a lot of what it is that we go through here, those of us who are left behind when we are in memorial services and 
having conversations with people and the pain we're feeling is attached to not just the person is no longer here, but our own sense of mortality. Mm. Um, And for some of us, it probably is not living our potential and grieving our own, the, the things that we haven't done, the things that we wanted to do, our acknowledgement that time is short. And I think there's another piece and, and the two of you who are experts in this in particular maybe can speak to this, this other piece of what we are going to go through at, at our time of transition. And I had read something back a while that people who fear death, fear the pain of death, the, like the physical pain of death, but that is not the way that the majority of us go out, right? And so those were the two things that came. Just wanted to, to you know, sort of reiterate that that concept of knowing, and then the other piece was you know, it, it touches our own sense of mortality, and that gets wrapped up in this as well. Whitney, I just honor you so much to be able to read that beautiful note <laughs> from, you know, from Therian, I, I believe, you know, while it wasn't written by him, it was also written by him, you know, like I really feel like he was a big part of that message to you. So thank you for sharing that. And, you know, all of what you said is true. Our grief or our inability or our reaction to other people's grief always goes back to our inability to see our own mortality or the mortality of our child or our loved ones. And so it's avoidance, it's reaction, it's all of that. So you're, uh, that is a part of how we grieve or don't grieve, (laughs) avoid. What I found interesting and, you know, I want to just come back to what Claudette said was that, how it's the judgment and the ego is. And again, that is absolutely true. And to add to that, it's also the judgment slash ego of society. It's the expectation. It's the programs that we have been programmed with that in three days and 10 weeks in 10 days and three weeks, whatever the short time is that you have off from work is the time that you are supposed to grieve and move on. There is a subconscious program there because that's societal expectations because people don't talk about it or haven't talked about it. It's becoming more and more open, which we're part of that. And it's also about how people don't talk about it when people go back to work and how they avoid you and how there's all kinds of things that come into the judgment and the judgment goes flows back to our inability to actually face the, the loss of, of their loved ones or your own, your own mortality. The other thing I want to just say is that as you were reading your letter, Whitney, I found myself flowing through all kinds of emotions. And that's where awareness is helpful for you, for the listener, is that you can be aware that there are emotions that flow through and it's okay to flow through all those emotions. I found... <laughs> 
found myself flowing through those emotions of like knowing that Logan knew he was dying too. Logan knew he was transitioning. And one of his, um, and I don't want to get into my story because I really feel like your story was all that we needed to hear. <laughs> but the him saying, if I move to South Carolina, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. My perception at the time was he's not coming back to Vermont, but he knew internally he was moving on. He knew he was not coming back. And so we have a knowing too, you know, when, when I found out about Logan's suicide, I, I looked at the person, I knew the second I walked into the room where the person told me that it was Logan. We also have a knowing. Why I share that is not to take away from Whitney, because I really would love for you to go back and listen to what Whitney had to say, because it was very, very insightful. And there was so much there that it's worth listening to it again. But I share that with you because when we honor ourselves and our knowing, then we can choose different things. And so as I was listening to your the, the letter, I found myself feeling guilty. I found myself saying, what if? I found myself smiling about Logan's, you know, Logan's life. I found myself about just knowing that there was peace for Logan now where there wasn't when he was here on earth in his physical presence. And knowing that energetically he is always around and our loved ones are always part of us. As, as Claudette mentioned, our spirit, our soul, it's all there with us. We get to choose whether we want to listen to those messages and those, um, those signs and be in the joy and love and peace of what is versus living in the past of regret, self-blame, unworthiness, guilt, whatever because that's all about what we could have done differently and we didn't. And I might just say, if you do the best in where you are with what you know, with all the love you have, and just remind yourself of that, no matter where you are in your, in, in your journey of grief, in your honoring of your loved ones, in your honoring of yourself. I just want to say something you mentioned, Kathleen and, and Whitney, that was freaking beautiful. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. You mentioned the awkwardness, you know, society doesn't know what to do. So what can we do if someone experiences a loss? We can be honest with them and go, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, let's just address the, the elephant in the room. And then we can say, I don't know what to do for you, but I want you to know my love is surrounding you and I'm here for you. And I am going to send you this love and I am open arms. You need me. You let me know. You want to just talk about it. You let me know whatever you need from me. I'm here for you as your friend, your coworker, whoever it is. And, you know, just don't avoid the person and start to act normal around them. If they go into tears, hold the space for them and go, it's okay. Just, I'm going to hold you through this moment and be in silence with them. Sometimes you don't have to say a damn thing. Okay. Secondly, you are powerful 
and the power of creation resides in you. And so does the power of healing. So as you visualize that person or yourself for having experienced this loss, see them healed and see the experience that they have gone through to help them with the evolution of their soul. I am completely convinced that there are souls that come here and exit early. I, one of my, and I'm not going to tell the whole story, but I had a, a 18 year old, 17, 17 year old cousin who went around saying all the time that he wasn't going to live long. And he would greet everybody in Walmart. And my aunt asked him, you know, or his aunt asked him, my cousin, he's the second cousin, said, why do you greet everybody? He said, I'm not going to live long, so I'm going to have fun while I do it. And then he leaves one day, and this just happened a couple of years ago, and he gets in a car wreck and is immediately killed. And I am 100% convinced, and my grandfather predicted his death and told my grandmother she would marry within a year. Like, I could go on and on and on. These people come into our lives, we're all here, and we're all compelled to fulfill each other's creations and help each other grow, ultimately. And there are some souls that may not appear to be advanced, but when your son stood on that podium, he awakened. And... He came for a specific reason and the power of his presence is still working in your life and in the lives of those that he knew. And it's the highest gift to do that. And so I am 100% convinced that we are in this beautiful puzzle piece of creation and there's a reason for everything. So I love you guys. Thank you, Claudette, for sharing that. And it's a beautiful way to start to close this. And I realized that this is a little longer podcast than we normally have, and it's well worth it. Go back and listen. If you have questions, all of us are here. We're all, we've all experienced a form of death in one form or another. Uh, Two of us work with, with people who are moving through loss and grief and and in closing, I would invite, you know, anybody to share just, you know, one thing that you would feel be helpful for those who have experienced loss in their life today and how they can honor themselves and their loved ones. I definitely would um, like to jump in here and say more than ever in our time, is it important to support each other? through death. We've gotten a little complacent and with what's happened over the last two years and restrictions around being together and connecting, more and more people are suffering loss alone. Mm -hmm. And so I just would like to remind each of you that we're all responsible for supporting each other and being a community together. In, in a person's moment of loss and suffering is one of the most beautiful, important times to stand beside your friend, stand beside your community, to stand beside your family. So I, I just leave all of you with the thought of remembering when to step up. Thank you, Sarah. Beautiful. Thank you, ladies. This is just such a gorgeous, 
powerful show today. Whitney, I love you. Thank you for sharing that gorgeous letter. My soul is touched. Um, everything you shared. Thank you. And thank you, Sarah, for that access, because what was on my heart um, when we were just chatting about when people go back to work, the time period when people go back to work, when they begin to get back into, you know, quote unquote normalcy. I, I don't like that word, but whatever that looks like, right? It usually it's a, you know, couple weeks to a couple months post uh, their loved one passing on. That is the time in my experience when people really need you the most. So if you're like, you know, if your go-to is to like avoid or whatever, like know that like Claudette, I wrote down what you said. It was gorgeous. I don't know what to do, but I'm just here. I'm here. And that is the time. I mean, the first couple of weeks to a month, it's just like, it's like, it's not even real. And you're scurrying to get all the things figured out. You got lots of people and things, and then it starts to just settle in. And so to your point, Sarah, and just support, love, just presence is uh, is needed and really win. It's beautiful. So thank you all for being here. And closing, my offer is avoid resistance. Don't tolerate the resistance. It's only going to cause you more pain. And when you sit with someone and say, I'm here for you, I might also add I am sorry. I do not know what to do. I've not experienced what you've experienced. So I need your help in telling me what you need. So I will check in periodically. I will let you know I love you. And I need your help in helping me to be there for you. The other thing I might also add to what Catherine mentioned is that Six weeks to six months is the time to a year and two years out, three years out. Put it in your calendar and remind yourself to send a note, to send a text, to pick up the phone and actually call, to send a voice text, because hearing people's voices matters. And, and lastly, if you're curious about the thought of your spirit living on, your soul being being there, the energy around you. I invite you to listen to Michael Sandler and David Ditchfield's latest podcast on sudden near-death experience. He's on YouTube, so you can find it pretty easily, but it, um, David Ditchfield had a, I'm going to call a train wreck of a life prior to actually being run over by a train, ultimately being saved by his sheep coat and his angels and guides. So I want to remind you that you are guided, you are cared for, you are loved, and be open to the possibilities of signs of a knowing of messages coming from your loved ones and your guides. So please continue to listen, re-listen to this if you need to, be present for others as well as holding yourself in compassion. We love you. Have a wonderful day. The Fab Five thanks you for joining us today as we assist you in moving beyond your best plans. We just ask that this week you find one way to step into your authentic self. 
listen, review, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can find us at beyondyourbestplan.com. See you on the other side of your best plan.